0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. You may be seated. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, I'm glad you are here. Uh, My name is Kevin Wilsey, and I'm the Minister of Community Groups and Operations here at Norris Ferry. Pastor Tracy is out of town, and so I'm here with you this morning, but he's going to be here next week. And so before we jump in, um, let's... Let me just pray, basically, for the Lord to help me as we walk through this, um, and then we'll, we'll jump into the text. And so, um, this morning, we're looking at Matthew 20. We're continuing on in the discourses, the teachings of Jesus. And so, we see this parable. We come to this parable of the laborers or the workers in the field. And so, before we jump into that, let me pray, and then we'll get going. Father, I thank you that we can come and just just worship such a great and glorious God, Father, that we have this opportunity to come and gather together and just worship you for, for what you've done, um, for sending your son, as we just heard in the worship songs, as Granger just prayed, Father, for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I pray that we will reflect on that today, that we will look at that, that we will see that you are a just God, a, a generous God. And, Father, that we would remember that you are just, remember that you are generous, and that we can rejoice with one another for what you've done. Father, I pray that you would just use me, that you would, you would speak through me, that your word would go forth, that your spirit would move in the lives of the people here today. Father, we know, we trust that you are good. So, Father, I pray this morning we will just see your goodness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was a bellman or a doorman at Hotel Albuquerque in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Anyone been a doorman before at a hotel? No, no one? All right, I'm the only one. Yeah, I got one. Okay. so. What a doorman does, basically, is we open doors for people, we grab their, if someone comes up, we'll grab their bag, we'll take them up to their room, we'll get them situated, um, we get them what they need, sometimes I even valet cars, and so whenever someone would come up to a hotel, I was basically the person, the first person they saw, and so I, I took that seriously, right? I had to hold this image of Hotel Albuquerque. This was a great big hotel in Albuquerque, in downtown Albuquerque, and so um, I, I, I valued that. I enjoyed my job. I enjoyed being a doorman, and I even had a get-up where we, we would have to wear a bolo tie. You guys know what a bolo tie is? Yeah. Okay. In the South, you don't see bolo ties that much. But in New Mexico, you see them. And most of the time, they'll have a, a turquoise little gem in them in New Mexico. But I know Jared has a bolo tie. And so maybe next Sunday, him and I will wear our bolo ties together. you will see us. If anyone else wants to wear them, you're welcome to as well. But I worked as, as a doorman there at Hotel Albuquerque, and on occasion, the hotel would have special events. So on the weekend, um, a lot of weddings were done. We had a, a chapel on the property, and so a lot of weddings were done on the weekends. And I remember one weekend, we had a wedding at the hotel, and so on special occasions, the hotel would hire extra helpers, extra hands. And so they would hire people to valet, hire extra doormen just to come on, get paid hourly to to help out because I, I me, the doorman, would not be able to handle everyone coming in. And so I remember a weekend where a lot of people were coming in for a wedding. They came in on Thursday, and they're also staying at the hotel. And I remember two cars pulling up, and me and this doorman who we've hired, you know, he's, he's nothing pretty much. I'm the doorman. But we go, and... We, we help the people that pull up, and he, grab, he greets his person. I greet my person. We grab their bags. We get them checked in. We take them up to their room. Um, we get them situated. We get whatever they need, and then I come back down to the lobby, and I'm, I'm walking down in the lobby, you know, we kind of, there are two elevators. We walk out of the elevators together. I look over and see this doorman, um, and he looks at me, and he flashes this wad of cash, this wad of cash. I kind of put my head down, put my hand in my pocket, and feel the one bill, $10 bill that I got. I look over at him and say, how much is that? He got a $100 bill tip. $100, not bill, but a $100 tip. And I thought, that is not fair. That is not right. I am the doorman at Hotel Albuquerque. I slave here every single day. I stand there. I look good. I open the door for you. I am here and I'm serving and I obey my manager's commands. You're here for the weekend and you got a wad of cash. You got a great and generous tip. That is not fair. If the guy who gave you that knew who I was, (laughs) he would have been giving me that tip. Right? I, would, I was jealous. I was envious of this. I said, that is not fair. That is unjust. How often are we in, in similar situations where we cry out, that is not fair. That is unjust. How many of you have been in a situation where you think this way? Someone else is blessed or someone else is given something that, that we want or we think that we deserve. And we grumble and we complain. And we're blinded by our own selfishness, our own self-interest, our, our lack of compassion for others that we don't see the goodness that we've even received. We're blinded by our envy and our jealousy, and we don't enjoy that moment with the other person. But as I continued to think about that situation, the man who tipped this other doorman a hundred bucks, he was right in doing so. He was just in doing so. This was his money. He could do whatever he wanted with it. He's also generous extremely generous in tipping that man a hundred bucks. So as we come to Matthew 20 verses one through 16, we see that God's gift of salvation, it's just and it's generous and we must not grumble. Look with me. We're going to read through the text again. Uh, It's taught as a story, as a parable. And so I want to read through it again, the whole thing, Um, And then we're going to look at two foundational truths. God's gift of salvation is just. God's gift of salvation is generous. And these are foundations. And so I I have to, I have to cover them first. And then we're going to dive in a little deeper after that. So read the text with me, Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity so the last will be first and the first last? Okay, so we have a story of what the kingdom of God will be like, right? Jesus is telling the disciples just off the the heels of the rich young ruler... Choosing not to give up all his possessions. The disciples are confused. Who, who then can enter the kingdom of, of heaven? And Jesus comes into this story of the parable to try to teach them what the kingdom of God is like. And so um, the master of the house, I'm just going to say, represents God. Okay, master of the house represents God. And so we have a master of a house who owns a large vineyard and he's looking to get some help to harvest his vineyard. And he goes out early in the morning. So to give you an understanding with this parable, uh, work days back then are 12 hours long from six to six. How many nurses do we have in here? You guys get, you guys understand a 12 hour shift, right? 12 hour shift. But these people are working 12 hour shifts all day every day. And so these these helpers, these workers, they would go into the marketplace and they would stand there and they would wait for employers to come and hire them for their work. And so we have this master here who goes into the marketplace before 6 a.m., before the sun comes up because that's when the workday starts, and he hires his first laborers. But before he hires them, he says, let's let's agree that I'm going to pay you a denarius for your full full day of work to harvest my vineyard. And they they agree. And so they go off into the vineyard. And then we see the master come back to the town. He goes back and forth, and he comes back to the town. He comes at 9 a.m., and he comes every few hours. So then he comes at noon, and then he comes at 3, and then he comes at 5 o'clock. And each time he does the same thing. He sees... Workers, he sees laborers, and he hires them. And he tells these later workers that he would pay them whatever is right for their work. So he doesn't agree on the payment, he just says, whatever is right for your work. And then evening comes, the day is over, all the workers were working in the harvest, they come up to the foreman, and it's time to get paid. And the master says, okay, pay the, who we hired last, the ones that showed up at 9 a.m., at noon, at uh, 3 p.m., and at 5 p.m., pay them first, and then pay the ones we hired first last. And at that moment, we get to see an idea, we get to see the emotion and the thought process of the first laborers. And the laborers, they come up, the last workers were paid first, they get a denarius. And then the first laborers come up, they get the same. But they were thinking they were going to get more. So what do they do? They grumble, they complain, and they say, that is unfair. And we're, some of us are nodding our heads because, yes, we see that that is unfair. They've worked longer and harder. So hold hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. But remember that this payment is what they agreed to. So the master responds, and he reminds them that this gift, it is just, it is generous. And so now let's, let's go a little dip, deeper at that. Look at verses nine and 10 with me. And I, I believe these two verses, they, they show us two important qualities of the gift that the master gives. And like I said, I believe they're foundational. And they're simple, simple verses. I missed, I missed it multiple times as I read this over and over, but underline it if you have your Bibles, verse 9 and 10. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. Like I said, two very simple verses, but they show us that God's gift God's gift, his grace, his gift of eternal salvation, it is just and it is generous. So let's first look at God's gift of salvation is just. And I get this from verse, verse 10. When those hired first, the laborers he hired at 6 a.m., came to the front of the line to get paid, what happened? What happened? They got paid. They got paid in denarius. At first, yes, they were like, they thought they were going to get more. Put that aside. We're going to come back to it. But they got paid. Right? So they received what they happily agreed to. The master, he kept his word and paid them what he said he would pay them. We saw that in verse 2 as we read through it. He paid them exactly what they agreed to. He kept his word. He is just. He is fair to them. And he acted in accordance to what was right. He paid them. But also we see that he's just in paying the others as well. If you look at verse 4. He was just in his payment with the first laborers he hired, but he was also just in his payment with those he hired at 9 a.m. And he says, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. And then he does this for the people he hired at noon, the people he hired at 3, the people he hired at 5. Hang with me, hang with me. He says, I will give whatever is right. Do you catch that? Whatever is right. The definition for just, the definition for right is right there in verse 4. I will give them whatever is right. And he did. He gave them what was just, what was fair, what was right. Why? Because the master himself is just. The master himself is righteous. And we know this because he did what he said he would do. He kept his word and he paid them and he did not do them wrong. So thinking about the master, thinking about the master in relation to God, how true is this of our God? How true is, true is this of the God that we worship, that our God is a just God, that He always acts accordance to what is right, that He sets the final standard for what is right. But sometimes we, like the disciples, we like the first laborers, we devote a lot of time and service to God and sometimes we resent it when He blesses others above us. But does that mean He's not just? Just? Sometimes he blesses others that we think don't deserve God's favor. But does that mean he's not just? So in those moments when we see that, when that starts to happen, I think we need to all remember and bear in mind that all people are unworthy. See, we don't deserve God's favor. We are guilty sinners who sin against the most holy, the most righteous God. And what do we deserve? What do we deserve? Wrath, death, punishment, damnation. That's what we deserve. We're unworthy. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death what would be just for god is to allow us to die with no hope with no hope of salvation what would be just for god is to allow us to be damned that would be fair right we all need god's grace so now let's look at god's grace think about it god's grace god's gift of salvation it's actually it's not unjust it is just. And why is it just? Because Christ, he made full atonement for the sins of us who trust in him. And by doing this, what did he do? He turned justice in our favor. He turned justice in our favor. It was once just for him, to, to for us to... Die to not have eternity with him. That's what's just. We are not holy. We are sinners. We're unworthy. Unworthy of being in his presence. But what did he do? Jesus died on the cross for that sin. Making us then righteous. Turning that justice in our favor. And now he, we are justified. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because of Christ, because he took God's wrath, the penalty of sin on himself, God, he can justify believing sinners without compromising his character. He is still just. Romans 3.26, he is both the just and the justifier. Romans 3.26, yeah, he is both the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is both righteous and the one who makes us righteous if we have faith in Jesus. So we see that God's gift of salvation, it is just, and now we're going to see God's gift of salvation is generous. Look at verse 9. For those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received the same amount. So these workers, they were hired at the end of the day. They were hired at closing time. Closing time, 5 p.m. They come in, they work maybe an hour. Foreman calls them in. What happens? They get paid the exact same. They get paid a full day's wages. I know you're thinking it. That doesn't seem fair. That's unjust. You wouldn't be wrong in thinking that. Hold it. We're going to come back to it. From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., the master, he's back and forth. He's hiring these workers for his vineyard. And during these visits to the market, he continues to find laborers, and he sees them standing idle. So he goes at 9 in the morning, and he sees these guys standing idle. He goes at noon he sees these guys standing idle. He goes at three, he sees these guys standing idle. He goes at five, he sees these guys standing idle. And he questions the ones at five, we get an idea of why are they there standing idle? It's not because they're lazy. Let me tell you that. It's not because they're lazy. They're there because they want to work. They're standing there all day because they're hoping that someone's going to come in and hire them. See, the master, he comes in and he sees he has compassion on these guys. He's generous with them. He hires them. These guys, the ones at 5 p.m., we see it in in their response. No one has hired us. No one has hired them because usually the workers at the end of the day in the marketplace, they're the old guys. They're the weak guys. They're the guys that don't do good work. So no one hires them. And what does this master do? He hires them. He says, I will give you what is right. Go work in my vineyard. He hires them. He has compassion on them. He is generous with them. These guys, they're not. They're not first in their social class. They're not first in their economic class. They're standing there all day. And the worker knows these guys, they need to bring something home. They have families to support. Wives to support. Things to buy. Food to eat. Water to drink. He has compassion for them. And he's generous with them. And at the end, we see that he pays them a full day's wages. See, the the master, he met their need rather than paying them the amount for the time that they worked and served, for the job that they did. He is extravagantly generous. So those we see hired first and those hired last all got exactly the same pay. They all got the full benefit of the master's generosity in equal shares. Now think about God. How generous is our God? Since we're all unworthy and the riches of God's grace are inexhaustible and and all believers receive infinite and external share of his mercy and kindness, although we don't deserve it. That's how generous he is. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. In Christ, we have complete redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So anything we receive from God other than eternal damnation is generous. And it's more than what we deserve. But what does God do? He gives us His Son. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us eternal salvation. He gives us life with Him eternally. And this is equal for all believers, who, for all who say Jesus is my Lord. But sometimes, just like the laborers, just like the, uh, just like me, just like. The disciples, we grumble. We grumble at God's generous grace. Let's look at their complaining. Verses 11 and 12. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. The first laborers, they come up to the front of the line. They've been seeing the last laborers get paid a full day's wages. So what are they thinking? I've worked 12 hours. These dudes, they only worked one hour, and they got a full day's wage. I'm going to get 12 days wages. You know what? And I'm going to take that 12 days wages. I'm going to go buy some new sandals. I'm going to go buy a new robe, a new staff, a new camel. I'm going to go up and down Judea Drive and show it off. come up to the foreman one injustice that's not fair i worked all day in the in the sun see my sunburn my hands they're torn up that's not fair i deserve more i've worked harder than them you're making me equal to these old, weak guys who don't do good work? No, I'm, I'm better than them. That is not fair. That is unjust. They grumble. But here's the thing. They're not just grumbling about the pay. Right, they're, they're grumbling about the master. They're questioning who he is. They're questioning that he's fair. The, they are begrudging the master's generosity. See, they're they're envious. They're jealous towards the other laborers, and they look at it with with an evil eye. They're blinded to their own reward, to their own gift to God's own goodness, to the master's own goodness. His grace is still just and it's still generous to them. He paid what he said he would and and the wage was good. But they want more because they worked hard for it. They deserve more. How many of y'all know the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15? Yeah. so. Great, great story. Tim Keller he writes a book, um, "The Prodigal God." Um, I was looking all over my house for this book all well, not all week, the last couple of days, and I wanted it, couldn't find it. But Tim Keller and "The Prodigal God" he focuses on the generosity um, and the the generosity of God, and he he pulls out and focuses on the eldest son as well. Uh, And so that's what I want to do here for the moment because we see something very similar happen, right? God, he vividly depicts his love for his children, no matter if they're obedient in all of life or if they just repent at at the end of life. The Pharisees, they're grumbling about Jesus because he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with prostitutes. He's hanging out with tax collectors collectors he's eating dinner with them and the pharisees are grumbling saying who is this man and jesus he comes into this parable and he shares a parable with them of a son if you haven't heard this story of a son who took his inheritance and left the house and he wasted it inheritance gone wasted it on prostitutes See, at the end of the story he was he was living in in a pigsty he wasted it everything he had but one day he comes back to his father's house. What does the father do? Opens his arms wide and he goes and he receives that son and he rejoices. He's excited. He wants to celebrate. He puts a robe on the son. He gives him a ring and says, hey, go slay the and calf. We're partying tonight because my son has returned. But all in the background is the eldest son. The eldest son who's watching his father celebrate the young son. And he sees how generous his father is with his brother. And what does it do? It makes him angry and he complains, he grumbles. He says, I am the firstborn son. But no one has ever celebrated or rejoiced in me following my my father's commands. I've slaved away for my father. I've obeyed every single command. He says to the father, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your commands. Yet you've never been generous to me. We've never rejoiced for me. We've never celebrated for me. And get this, I love it. I love it when in scripture, the father responds. Father responds in verse 31 and 32. Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead, but now he's alive. Your brother was lost, but what? Now he's found. You see, the grace, the message, God's gift of salvation is the same for both the prodigal son and the eldest son. All that the father has is yours who are in Christ Jesus. See, his grace is equal to all. Now, his generosity may be unequal, but he's still just and he's still generous with you. How often are we like the laborers who grumble and the eldest son who grumble because we see God's grace towards others as unfair? How often are we blinded to our self interest, blinded by our selfishness, blinded by our lack of compassion for others that we, we don't see or understand that the master is just and he's generous also with us? And so we grumble. How often do we say, I have followed your commands for a lot longer than who? Fill in the blank. We say, why do they get your generosity? Why do they receive your blessing? Father, I just want to see that that you love me as well. I want a reward for what I've given up in life. I want a special connection with you because I have sacrificed for you. That is not fair. Are we so greedy and envious? Think about the thief on the cross. A criminal all his life. So much of a criminal that he was being killed for the things that he did, he's been crucified for the things that he did. And what happens? He repents and now is spending eternity with Jesus. That's not fair. He lived his whole life as a criminal. That's not fair. What about Judas? He lived 3 years of his life obeying Jesus commands, serving Jesus, sacrificing for Jesus. Right? He he evangelized, he ministered to the lost. He ministered to the sick and the poor. He was given a gift to heal. But what happens? He disobeys, and he's not spending eternity with Jesus. That's not fair. That's unjust. How many of you heard of Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, the Mo- Milwaukee murderer, the M- Milwaukee monster. He was a serial killer who killed 17 young men in the most gruesome and grotesque ways. Sick sick. He was arrested, went to jail, went to prison. In prison, he asked to meet with a pastor. He met with a pastor for a long time. And over this time, this course of meeting with a pastor, he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to be held accountable for the things that I've done in my life. But he trusted in Christ. It wasn't shortly after that that he was killed by another inmate. He'll be walking in heaven with us. He'll be walking on the new earth with us, those who believe. That's not fair. He killed, he murdered 17 young men. That's not just. That's not generous. But here's the thing that is the shock of grace, that is the shock of the gift of salvation, that is the shock of this parable. And we're going to see here God's response in verse 13 and 16 to these grumblers. But he replied to one of them. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I want? Do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity So the last will be first, and the first, last. Friend, he says, I have not treated you unfairly. We agreed on these terms. The master, he asks him questions that he knows the only response is yes. Doesn't the potter have the right to do do to the clay what he wants? Don't feel wronged or treated by God if he gives more grace to others than you would. Don't be angry or envious if others are loved by God who are not as holy or hardworking as you. See, the master is saying, be grateful for getting paid anything at the end of the day. Because you, because I don't deserve it. He asked, do you begrudge my generosity? Basically, is your eye evil? Can your evil eye, is your eye so evil that it can't see my goodness? Is your eye so evil that it can't see my generosity to you? And I think what the master is doing in his response is he's going back to that foundation of what I covered at the beginning. He's trying to open their eyes to their sin and show them that God's grace is just, it is generous, even to them. To all who believe in Jesus. And sometimes to us, it's hard to believe. But Jesus is teaching us that God's grace, it is just, it is generous. And we must not grumble because in God's kingdom, the first will be last and the last first. The last will be first and the first last. Meaning his kingdom, it doesn't function like our world does. God's kingdom, it's not granted to to those who work the hardest, to those who have obeyed longer, to those who have given up much. That's not how God's kingdom works. That's how our world works, but God's kingdom does not work like our world. His grace will be given to those who are last and to those who are first. See, he, he flips the disciples' thinking. He flips our... convention, see the kingdom of heaven, it operates on God's grace and God's grace. It is just, it is generous and it's given to whomever he pleases. So don't grumble about who receives God's grace. Don't question God's character because he has not done us wrong. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what class you are in, how much money you have. That's not how God's grace works. And in his response, I think he's given us three simple, uh, practical, practical, practical things to combat, to combat our grumbling. And it's these, remember, remember, rejoice. Remember, remember, rejoice. When we remember, well, let me back up. Remember that God's gift of salvation is just. So when we remember that God is just and the justifier, our grumbling, it's brought to the light. It puts our grumbling into perspective. If we call for justice, we must remember we are unworthy of anything from God. And for us to receive justice is calling for our own death, is calling for our own hanging. But God, through the penalty paid by Jesus, He made us just. He granted us His grace. He granted us eternal life when we believe in Jesus. And so remember, God's gift of salvation is just in turn from your grumbling. And a practical way to do this is just to. Re- I did this last. Service to you, a lot of ours. Remember Romans 3:26. Know it by heart. Hide it in your heart. Speak it to one another. He is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Memorize it. Remember God's gift of salvation is just. And secondly, remember God's gift of salvation is generous. See, God's grace is far more than what we deserve. God, he doesn't owe us salvation for something we have done. He gives us salvation despite everything we have done. It's a free gift of mercy, and it's totally devoid of human merit. He doesn't owe us anything, but yet he gives us everything in Christ, and it is worth it. Remember that God God's gift of salvation, it is generous. When we remember this, our grumbling, it's humbled. Our evil eye, our envy, our jealousy, they're open to God's goodness and we can see it and we can turn from that jealousy, that um, that envy. We can turn from our grumbling and we can turn to worship. So practically, memorize Ephesians 1 through 7 one seven through through eight in christ we have complete redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us remember that know that your god is generous And then lastly, we need to rejoice over God's justice and his generosity in our lives and others. We need to rejoice with one another. See, he gives us all the same gift of eternal life to all who believe. And so let's rejoice with one another. Let's show and help and lead one another towards his justice, towards his generosity. And let's rejoice with one another. When we do that, that he's generous, it leads us to be thankful. It leads us to rejoice. And it leads us to thankfulness because there have been more people than I who have been more faithful than I, who have worked harder than I, who have labored longer than I, but yet they've, they've suffered more. And vice versa. There's been people who haven't labored as long, who have worked less, Maybe not as diligent as me. But God is generous with them. But instead of me grumbling and complaining, let me rejoice with that person and rejoice in the goodness of what God is doing in their lives. Let's come together and rejoice with one another. See, grace abounds to all sinners, and God saves all of us who believe in his Son Jesus as Lord. And so when we rejoice with one another, when we're helping one another, remember and remember, it's bringing God glory. No matter what they look like, no matter what social class or economic class they are in, remember that they, if they are a believer in Christ Jesus, they've been given the same grace that you have, and let's rejoice with one another. So practically, how do you do this? Maybe just ask ask yourself these questions. When was the last time you asked someone what the Lord has done in their life recently? When was the last time you worshipped alongside your spouse because God has revealed sin and been gracious to them? A lot of times we're quick to be mad at our spouse. But if God revealed sin, why not rejoice with it? When was the last time you talked about God's gift of salvation being just and generous with someone let's remember remember and let's rejoice don't get caught up in the function of the world because god's kingdom it doesn't function off the wisdom of our world so when we cry that's not fair when we grumble when we begrudge his grace remember god is just remember god is gracious that he is generous and let's rejoice with one another over his justice and his generosity okay let's pray Father, I pray that we will remember, remember and rejoice, that we will remember your justice, that we will remember your gift of salvation that is just, that we will remember, Father, that you are generous to us, that your gift of salvation is generous. And I pray that we can come alongside our brothers and sisters and we can rejoice no matter who they who they are, what they look like, um, if they don't have as much money as us if they do things a little different. Father, I pray that we can walk alongside of them and rejoice in what the Lord is doing in their life as well. Father, thank you for the gift of salvation that you give to all who believe. Father, I know there are some in this room who they haven't received that gift because they do not know you. And I pray that you would use the members of this church You would use your people to show, show them, show the lost that, that they are hopeless, that they are unworthy, that their sin is going to have a cost. But Father, I pray that we will just show them that that cost was, was paid on the cross. And Father, now they can rejoice because of your gracious, your generous, your just gift of, of eternal life. Father, I pray that we will be a church who lavishes grace on others because you've lavished it on us. Let us celebrate right now in this moment, in in this next song. Let us worship with one another for your goodness and for your grace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at NorrisFerryChurch.org.